Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 7 Sussex Heights. What the devil are you doing? the small man said. This is off limits, it's private tours only. I thought it was the toilet, James said, sounding a little too innocent. But there isn't one there, not even a urinal. I told you, Jenny said quickly. They're back at the main entrance. The small man didn't look convinced. This door was locked, he said. I know that because I locked it, and the only people that are allowed inside are accompanied by me on official tours. I think we need to talk to security. The neat girl cleared her throat again. Can we continue my tour, please? she said. She really sounded very posh, but with the hint of an accent, far east maybe. And she was looking at James with interest. He was staring back at her with his mouth open. Yes, Jenny said. Time to go, James. Come on. Hold on a moment, the small man said. You can't be running around here, sneaking into private places. Who is accompanying you? Jenny and James looked at each other. Neither of them spoke. What is that? the neat girl asked, with an accusatory tone. She pointed to the feather that James was still holding in his hand. Oh, James said, it's, uh, just from my hat. Fumbling in his jacket pocket, he yanked out his damp woolly hat, pulled it down over his head, and tucked the feather into the turn-up. Jenny had never seen the feather before, and it looked ridiculous sticking out of his hat at an odd angle. Oh, it's always falling out, she said, stepping closer and giving him a quizzical look. He keeps it there for good luck. She did her best to move the feather into a position that looked more natural. It wasn't easy. She turned back to the neat girl and saw her gaze move from the hat to James's chest. James saw it too, and quickly tucked the squiducken key back under his t-shirt, but not before the girl had looked up to the shelf brackets and back down again. Her expression changed, a small smile. Let's get you two out of here, the man said, regaining control of the situation. I'll handle your tour once I get back. Take your time, the girl said, still smiling at James. The two children filed out past the girl, following the small man. When James was level with her, she caught his coat and gently turned him toward her. Now they were standing close together, it was clear she was a little taller and a little older than James. She was still looking into his eyes. It was definitely a bit creepy. Here, she said softly, moving the feather from one side of his hat to the other. That's the proper place for it. She smiled a perfect smile, teeth perfectly straight and even. James swallowed. Come on, James, Jenny said, striding between them, brushing past the neat girl and guiding James away. The two children were in trouble. The small man was not taken in by James's story. Things got worse when the old woman from the ticket office got involved and said that she'd turned them away too. There's a reason why we have an age limit in here the small man lectured. If anything went wrong and you got hurt, you would not be insured. That's a very serious business indeed. 
Jenny endured the lecture silently, with her most serious face nodding along. Twice she had to give James a little kick when he started to argue. He got the message, though, and looked at his feet while the charges were brought and the punishments decided. I think that the best course of action is for you to leave, the small man said finally. Is that all? James blurted. Jenny gave him another kick. I mean, can't we stay a little longer? What if my sister came back to supervise us? Jenny added. She's eighteen. No, and no, the man shook his head. Out. There wasn't much point in arguing. They would have to leave without searching the library or the banqueting room with its huge dragon chandelier. They went out into the cold and damp mist. I knew you shouldn't have gone into the basement, Jenny said. And why did you let that girl do the thing with the feather? What? James said absent-mindedly. Oh, I think she was all right. All right? You didn't have to talk to her, Jenny said. I held them up for five minutes while you were down there. I had to try and make conversation to distract them. You know how hard that is? James mmmed. I think she liked me. What? She just got us thrown out of the pavilion. She was a stuck-up little princess, and I can't believe you couldn't tell. James said nothing this time, but he still had a dreamy look on his face. Well, Jenny said a little crossly, what did you find down there? They walked through the pavilion gardens, which filled the ground between the Royal Pavilion and New Road, with the Dome and Brighton Museum running down the side. It was not that interesting, he said, just pantries and food preparation rooms. But then I found the dumbwaiters. Dumbwaiters? Jenny asked. Yeah, little elevators to take food up to the rooms above. Open a hatch, put the plates in and send it up. All of them were labelled with the name of the room, you know, like music room or kitchen. I opened them, but they were empty, just mini shafts between floors. But one of them had a blank label. More like a square of blank parchment. That one wouldn't open. I don't know why, but it reminded me of the silver nib. So I got the nib out and touched it on the parchment, and the dumbwaiter hatch fell open. Was there anything inside? Jenny asked. No, it was empty. And then there was all the noise at the door, and I came back up. I saw the feather on the floor on my way out. You think it could be the key to the air? She looked at it, stuck in his hat. It looks like a normal feather. The other keys are definitely more key-like, James said. But if no one's ever seen the key to the air, I guess it could be a feather, but I don't think it's this one. He was right about the other keys. The Squiducken key, the key to the subterrane, was just a normal key, albeit with a weird fishy face on it. The triple M key, the key to the ground, was hidden in a puzzle box that could only be unlocked with a stone and a tooth. But it was still a key. Uh-oh, James said. Look. Up ahead, through the mist on the top of the Max Miller statue at the edge of Pavilion Gardens, was a big black bird, Merlina. It was looking in their direction. James picked up a stick and threw it hard at the bird, and Merlina beat its wings fast, disappearing into the mist. I think we need the services of... Jenny thought back to the conversation with the old crow. What did the chairman call it? A raptor of high velocity, James said which in Brighton means a peregrine falcon. Where are we going to find a peregrine falcon? Jenny asked. In Brighton? Sussex Heights, he said. That's what the old crow said. 
Sussex Heights was a big block of flats on the other side of Churchill Square, Brighton's shopping centre. It was the highest point in town until a viewing tower had been built on the seafront, and it was a ten-minute walk from the dome. The children kept an eye out for the raven and the hooded man on their way to Churchill Square. The mist was still thick, which meant, at least, that the bird couldn't be following them from above. They cut through the mall and out of one of the multi-storey car parks that served it. Jenny had been past Sussex Heights on walks down to the sea, but had never actually been inside. The entrance, or at least the one they headed to, was at the end of a dirty little street opposite the car park. It was a big, white block of flats, the top floors dissolved into the mist, leaving Jenny struggling to remember exactly how tall the building was. How can we be sure the falcon is up there? Jenny asked, pointing to where the top of the building probably was. There used to be a webcam on the top of the building, James said, watching the bird's nest. So we need to find a way to get out onto the roof. The first obstacle was a sliding door, which did not open for them when they approached. James found a little magnetic reader on the right of the door under a keypad. I guess we need a card or a fob to get in, he said. Or we can just wait for someone to open it. Try the triple M key, Jenny said. It is the key to the ground, after all, and we are at ground level. If this place has any connection to the animals, then it might work. James took out the wooden puzzle box, along with the badger stone and the badger's tooth. It took them a few minutes to remember how to open the box. Then, James held the key against the door's magnetic reader, and it slid open. That's got to be a good sign, Jenny said. The entrance hall had an unmanned desk with a few letters on it, a set of stairs, and two lifts tucked away at the back. It was a little shabby, but clean-ish. At least it didn't smell that bad. The walls could have done with a lick of paint, though. Jenny hit the up button between the lifts. There was one waiting, and the doors eased open with a slight scraping sound. The children got in. So the falcons live on the top floor, she asked. Yes, James said, out on the roof. You can sometimes see them from the ground, apparently, perched on a railing. The highest floor was twenty-four. Jenny pushed the button. The doors waited, and then shuddered closed slowly. When they were almost shut, a stick cracked into the gap. Jenny jumped in surprise, and the doors reluctantly parted again. An old woman shuffled into the lift. Fifteen, please, Sonny, the woman said. James complied. The doors eased back together, and the lift began to haul itself upwards. The process was cripplingly slow. The old woman turned to the children. Haven't I seen you before, she said. Her cheeks were sucked in, and her skin taut and shiny across her nose and cheekbones, but sagging and loose beneath. You knew? We don't live here, Jenny said, telling the truth. We're visiting. The old woman looked her up and down. Jenny wished that the lift would hurry up and reach the fifteenth floor. And exactly who are you visiting? Jenny just looked at her feet. My uncle, James said. He's been poorly and my mum asked me to check on him. That's nice, Sonny, she said. Very nice of you. What's his name? Oh, I just call him Uncle Perry, James said. Perry, she said, raising her eyebrows, or at least wrinkling the shiny brown skin where her eyebrows might once have lived. What's his last name? I'm afraid I don't know his last name. 
I'll remember to ask when I see him. You'd do that, she said. Thankfully, the lift rumbled to a halt, and the doors slid open, this time without too much scraping. The old woman shuffled out, the doors stuttered closed, and the lift jerked upwards in slow motion. She didn't believe us, Jenny said. Would you have? James said. Uncle Perry, no last name. I would have laughed if I wasn't so worried about her using that stick on us. Is this lift even moving? As if in response, the lift gave a moan and the doors opened. Even more slowly this time, metal on metal grating. They didn't quite manage to open all the way, but enough for the children to exit onto the 24th floor. It was markedly dirtier than the ground floor, and there was a nasty smell in the air like old smoke. Jenny didn't want to breathe in. They moved out of the little lift area and into the floor's main corridor. The lift was central, with flats running to their left and right. It didn't take long to realise why the old woman didn't believe them. All the doors were boarded up, and the whole floor was deserted.